This is K-12 Tech Talk, episode 67. We talk about student data privacy. Josh has yet another scary story. I'm sure you're surprised by that. We go over a light speed maintenance advisory. We talk Chromebook end of school year collection. And we realize that Mark has a bunch of sailboats. Have a listen. This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is K-12 Tech Talk, episode 67. And I must say tonight, okay, before, I'm not even going to hit that joke. But, little behind the curtain look here tonight. We really don't have a green room that Jeremy puts food in, okay? That's been a running joke. It's just something that I do, right? So, yeah, I hate the joke, too. Oh, but I love it. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. Well, so, yesterday, my one of my secretaries calls and says, Hey, you've got a couple boxes over here. At central office, you need to come over and get them. So I go over there, and one of them was a UPS that I was expecting. The other one is this weird lady's name of like a food service. I thought it was like, you know, Hello Fresh or something. So I'm like, who, what in the world is this? So I start, I start to open the box, and I can like smell food. And I'm looking for like a shipping receipt, shipping label, whatever. And it's clearly addressed to me at my school. And I'm tearing through this box, and I find a loaf of bread, and then I find oh. some cheese, and then I find the shipping slip, and it's from Jeremy at something cool. So Jeremy has not made us, I just make that joke up, like every week, it's grilled cheese sandwich from Jeremy. It's never happened. Well, this week, I actually got a box of stuff, fixins, if you will, to make a grilled cheese sandwich. So tonight for dinner... That's jackpot. We had a homemade potato soup and uh grilled cheese sandwiches from jeremy so tonight it's not a joke i had very good grilled cheese sandwiches from jeremy before the show like on a scale of one to ten rate the sandwich the cheese was better than almost any cheese i've ever had it was a real funky french Uh cheese yeah it was I mean, like, Jeremy spent some dough on this. Probably more than what he pays to sponsor the show, honestly. Um, it, so did you ten, get one? Ten, ten dollar cheese? It, it was it was a little wedge of cheese, and I know it probably, it probably cost. Uh, <laughs> did yours arrive, Chris? Yeah, you know, so Josh sent me, like, this text bragging about <laughs> bread and cheese. <laughs> and then I realized, like, I care. Like, I had, I, I had no box. But I did get. I haven't. I haven't tried it yet. Oh really? <laughs> but I did get the box. I got a box. Good. However, oh, and there's someone some... that we know. Oh. Did not get a box. Oh yeah, but he doesn't want a box. So he does not get a box. He does not want a box. So Jeremy's uh, Mark. Listen. Yeah, don't do that, Jeremy. Um, Mark, what's up, man? Yeah, Mark's back. I'm back. He's back. He's dressed in a suit and tie tonight, though. He way well, dressed Chris and I. I think let's just get right into it. Why did Mark dress up in a suit and tie? Well, he's it's trying to make today, an, 
Yeah, today's like the day. Yeah, today it's it's the big day. He had Mark, to make you a know, big impression. Mark, you know that we have <clears throat> emailed you. We've 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 talked to you about email etiquette. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you did struggle with hitting the reply all button. Well, yep. and and giving us the correct cell phone number. Yeah, we and then okay, you passed them us through email. So then we went. We wanted to go into can can he text? Yeah, you yeah. did send me your wrong cell phone number. I didn't look back at my email to see if I actually made a mistake. And I did. You did. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, did I send you the wrong. For sure. All right. So, so there's probably some sweet old lady in Maine who's like, I don't know who these for, guys are. I'm not right. doing their podcast. And I'm sure she didn't appreciate the group text because it was about you guys being uh, green text bubbles. And then no one was, re- and you, and you are, yeah, you are an Android phone user like Josh. I am a green text bubble Most on an iPhone. Most IT people are. And yeah. then we, but yeah. we, we've pressed on through that. I realized we made through alone. it. We made through it. Uh, yeah. You've done three interviews. Uh, three. Vo- vocally. Like yep. you're, you're here. I was here. Uh, you've passed through Boston trivia twice. I mean, uh, I wouldn't say I passed, but I, I partook in the Boston trivia. You dealt with it. I dealt uh, with and, it. And then, and then we asked, we asked for uh, people to give feedback, and we got feedback. And I don't know that I was really prepared to tell you what people said. Uh-oh. Uh oh. But let me let me see. It, but it, it was pretty overwhelming, right, Chris? It was. I mean, I did have my my family just bomb you guys with emails, like. <laughs> right. Uh, we Some, did so a woman who does let, not want to identify let, herself let as Mark's Mark mom. Know. Yeah. Mark's mom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let Mark know. I did. I do compliment him. I mean, we we did get something like that. Okay. Uh, we got a guy. Hire him now. That's my dad. Uh, he <laughs> well, he he called them idiots. He is oh, my the, kind. Yeah. Of make it happen. Yeah, I think that was you referring to teachers. Yes, and that that actually came from another co-host tryout too. So, you, I mean, you you had other tryouts saying we need to hire you. So, wow, yeah, you had some you had some really good stellar guests. I really enjoyed it. I I I honestly say I got I enjoyed Pate's interview quite well, and I oh. think I've quoted him multiple times oh. uh, within my own district. You need so, to meet, Scott. You really yeah. need to meet Pate so you can quote Pate more often he, he will love this right now us talking about him and we'll probably have an email from him with many yeah. Pate quotes because not many of Pate, pate's quotes are quotable um, for public <laughs> consumption uh, <clears throat> they 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 can be quite colorful we'll just leave it at that uh, no but someone... I, it was it was really good to hear what other districts went through during the pandemic and and Pates for for me was astonishing because you know we had always talked about how many of our kids have internet how many do not and and then for me to say by the way this gentleman from Missouri if you think we had issues with the digital divide you should hear this episode with Pate so it was really good for me to hear hear mm-hmm. that perspective it was great I love that one uh, and then he died he, twice too I mean that, that's a Jesus. good part of the story too <laughs> I mean he did he'll he'll tell you that. Uh, I really like Mark. That's a yeah. quote. It's my mom so, again. It's my mom we, again. <laughs> we've gotten in uh, emails. Okay. Um, 
we've talked to you off off uh off the pod uh we've worked out a an extensive lengthy contract and we want to let everyone know that you're you're it i'm it josh finally signed today yeah. You know that you signed right away. You were eager to get on here. I signed right away. And Josh, he wanted to wait till the last second. I've been dealing with a lot of contracts, actually, recently. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So Good congratulations, Mark. Thank you. Yay. No, I'm I'm excited. This is a lot of fun. We've we've really enjoyed in my district listening to you guys for 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 a long time. So it's, uh, it's so an honor to join you. What he's saying is he makes it required listening for his guys now that he's on the and show. And now he's on it. Yeah. I know. I Everyone know. must listen. This is how I get secret messages out to my team. Oh, yeah. nice. The yeah, beginning like the, of the like end. Like the Mary, yeah. Mary Tyler Moore ear tug. Yeah. Uh, you know what I really want to do, but I just can't get the team to do it? <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be a segment. Yeah. That's what you bring. And yeah. now so, let's talk about what our team can't, won't do. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, Mark. Uh, we're happy to have you here. Um, so last week I shared a scary story. About me getting an email from a from one of from the sock that we have that monitors our uh, some of our stuff. This week, today, actually, I had the living hell scared out of me. Um, I'm sitting in the office. The phone rings. One of my guys answers it, and I can hear him. He ta- he always answers on the speakerphone, and he's talking to the transportation director. And I hear him talking on the phone, and I hear <clears throat> the transportation director say, "Yeah." These two guys are here. They say they're from Homeland Security, and they've got some cyber questions that they need to talk to Josh about. So immediately, I'm starting to get up out of my chair, and I, my guy's like, okay. So I walk over to his desk, and I'm like, hey, uh, Sally, not her real name, um, did you like verify these guys' identity? Like, Did you ask for identification? Are you really sure they're from Homeland Security? Because this kind of seems weird. She's like, yep, sure did. I looked at, did they have badges? They've got the whole nine yard. I verified them. They are who they say they are. I'm like, okay. I said, let me talk to them. So they start asking me these questions and, and they're inconsequential. You know, what's your name? Your title? What kind of firewall do you guys have? Which that kind of, okay, now we're kind of getting a little weird. Do you have written policy on cyber stuff? And I said, well, yeah, we have an AUP that staff signed. We have some board policy for that deals with cyber. And then he says, um, do you have off, off-site backups? I'm like, yeah, we do. He says, do you scan for vul- external vulnerabilities? I said, yeah, we do. I said, we contract with CISA to do that. And he goes, now, keep in mind, this guy says he's from Homeland Security. Or I've been told he what's said he, he's from Homeland Security. What's he wearing? I'm on the phone with him at this point. I didn't ask oh, him okay, what he was okay. We're not okay. to that point in the relationship. Sorry, um, I, thought, I thought it was in person thing. but No, the, no, okay. we were okay. on the phone. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, now, keep in mind, he, that I've been told they're from Homeland Security. And I say, we contract with CISA, right? CISA is mm-hmm. kind of an arm of Homeland. The guy says, who? So mm. immediately, my spidey senses are like, okay, something is really weird here. And I said, you know, CISA, part of Homeland. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's all I needed. Thanks. End of conversation with me. 
So I go back and I sit down at my desk. I'm like, man, <clears throat> this is this is just kind of weird. I'm not getting a good vibe from this. So I call back out to the bus garage and secretary answers. And I say, hey, when Sally gets off, when Sally gets done with these guys, have her call me right away. Hang up the phone. I thought, you know what? I've got a contact with this with the Cyber Fusion Center in our area who has an arm with Homeland and Secret Service and FBI. I'm going to call them and see if they know what this is about. So I call the Fusion Center. The guy that I know there <clears throat> isn't in the office, so his I guess his secretary answers. And I tell her the story. And she's like, what? They say they're from Homeland? I said, yeah. She goes, there was more than one? I said, yeah, two or three. I, I'm not real sure, but I know I heard at least two guys, maybe three in the background. She goes, we don't have anybody down there like they don't do this they don't go on site visits she goes you really need to go out there and see what's going on i'm like oh crap so i hang up the phone i tell my guys i'd get in the car let's go <clears throat> so i go tearing off why'd you bring your guys because he's bigger than me the um the guy that i brought is is taller than me and bigger than me <laughs> has a really big scary beard so okay. i i told him i said if we go in there and they have guns i'm you're going first not me um did you guys like pick up anything from around the office of like we might no, need this? No, and, and we were halfway across town, and I told him, I said, you know what, we should have really probably called the SRO and had the SRO come with us, but too late. I'm already I'm speeding through town. We I thought I was going to get pulled over, saw a cop. Um, I'm excited, and as I was telling, I was telling guy, I'm like, yeah, how would we explain this? We're speeding because we're going to find, try and find out if these are fake Homeland Security people. Um, so I pull up to the bus garage. The guy, my guy that's with me, he's taking pictures of the vehicle, taking pictures with her license plate number and all this stuff. And we go busting in the door in the lobby of the bus garage. And I can look in and I can see straight in and I can see the, the bus director or the transportation director. And she's got this big old smile on her face. She was, see, is, is this, was this April 1st? No, this was today. Okay, okay, okay. So she's got this big smile on her face. She goes, see, there he is right there. I told you he'd be out here in a second. And I'm like, Sally, what the heck's going on? So I walk back to her office, and there's these two guys sitting there. And I'm like, guys, I hate to be this way. I said, but I want to see some identification. I want you to ver I want you to prove to me you are who you say you are. <clears throat> okay, no big deal. So they get up. They get out their, their identification badges. <clears throat> And they're not from Homeland Security. Well, they kind of are from Homeland Security. They were agents from the TSA, from Transportation Security Administration, <laughs> which is an arm of Homeland Security. Sure. And that's what they told her when they arrived. And what she, I guess what she heard was Homeland Security. She didn't hear the TSA part. But what they were there on a legitimate business doing a survey for the TSA, for the surface crew, they call it, um, and they were really I mean, complimentary. They're like, hey, nobody ever asks for identification. You've really, you know, you've got your stuff together, blah, 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 blah. Um, so, yeah, that that was my, I mean, I was like panic mode flying across town. You wouldn't understand. What, what is TSA doing at a school district? It, our transportation, they're all managed by Department of Transportation and, or not managed, but they fall under the regulations for TSA since it's mass transit, quote unquote. Um, so they, they were giving her some security stuff. They were going to give her some tabletop exercises to run through with the trans with the bus drivers and stuff for like hmm. different events. <clears throat> um, but I yeah, don't know. these, these two TSA guys, um, were out at the bus garage and 
giving me a panic attack. So that was that was my scary event today. That was good. Yeah, that, that's a little frightening. Yeah, so, and I still don't know if they were real. No, they were. I've got the guy's business card. Oh, so yeah. After that, so I take a deep breath. My guy and I go back to my office. I've got the guy's business card. So I call up to the Fusion Center, and I'm like, hey, I've got this guy's business card. It says <coughs> Department of Homeland Security, Transportation Security Inspector. I give her the guy's name. She asks, and they have TSA people in the office of the Fusion Center. She asks around, and yes, they are legitimate. And Do you call them once a day? No, no. <laughs> But I was really, I was really hoping to get you know the guy that that we've met from there. But I'm like, holy crap! This is the first time I've I've called for a long time call or a long time listener, first time caller kind of thing to the Fusion Center. <laughs> but yeah, you talk about a hair raising twenty minutes, man. What were you gonna do if you walked in and they couldn't show identification? I would have called. Went. I would have made the SROs come out there. And then we, it would probably would, they probably would have took off running. It would have been in a fight, you know. I'd have. Like, I'd have you my... thought about like weaponizing yourself, like how you're well, going to respond? I with these guns. If a punch you know. was coming your way. What were you going to do? That's what I was going to ask. Like, if you had brought something like a solid state drive to throw at them, I, I or brought yeah, my guy for sure, solid state. Like one person's like <laughs> like snapping a an Ethernet cord, like yeah. he's going to strangle someone with yeah. it. I'd smack him with an IDE cable. Is that 6A? Oh, God, run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I was going to do. Thank, thanks for your compassion, guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. that is a scary story, Josh. No. Yeah, I would have brought up uh, 100 blank CDs. Yeah, throwing them at them like ninja stars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, sweet. Yeah. So Monday, Tuesday this week, big install day. <laughs> Yeah, thank not you guys are acting like there's no one, just another day. Josh overreacts. It is another um, day with you. Um, uh, we got all my Aruba speaking. We'll talk about Aruba and PDS real quick. They came down and got my 635s hung. Uh, Wi-Fi 6, 6 gigahertz. I guess Wi-Fi 6E to be technical about it. Um, we had all those access points. I was cleaning up a few things late in the afternoon. Figured out if you get a 635 and you get it installed, um, my install is with Central. I don't know if this if if this is true with uh, controller managed, but to get the six gigahertz radio to become active, you have to publish an SSID with WPA3 is the authentication type. It will not come active with just plain old WPA2. So that took me a little bit to figure out. Um, <clears throat> but once I did it, it came up was hot and uh it was it was rolling good i was over there today the librarian said they've had no complaints um my son said it might actually even be a little bit better than what the 215s were which i would have expected sure. um but we're rolling man pds was in and out of there they are a well-oiled machine but i do have one complaint it was derek and jeff and i don't get me wrong derek and jeff are awesome and brendan um but andrew no andrew and and no ryan Unbelievable. Um, I, f- I feel kind of slighted by this. Um, yep, that's the follow-through that we expect. But um, I, I have my access points, so that's all I really care about. And I took a picture of our four access points and tweeted it to Aruba with their AP in the wild hashtag. Did um, you get a retweet? I did not. Unbelievable. Normally, normally I do. but Do I they not. know who you are? Uh, yes. Remember, we did a podcast episode with them. Oh, uh, yeah. I saw a retweet on the official uh, TSA 
Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> tweeted it. Yeah. Yeah, we made this guy freak out today. <laughs> but check out these access points. Yeah, right. So uh, different provision building. data solutions, provisionds.com, based out of Chesterfield, Missouri. They got expertise, they got experience, they got passion. They know how to hang access points. And if you're looking for Wi Fi 6 or 6E access points, hit up arubanetworks.com and uh, tell them you heard about us. Heard about them on on our podcast. For sure. What do you got, Chris? I I think I can share. I can share like a maintenance advisory, right? That's cool. Sure. Uh, so light speed content filter a couple days ago. If you use light speed uh, and you're using the Windows Smart Agent, uh, there was an interesting, I found it interesting. Uh, advisory that went out uh, about the Windows Smart Agent. It has decryption capabilities. They rely on a trust certificate. Uh, that certificate is generated when the agent is installed. Long story short, they've discovered that uh, the current release versions of that program don't properly renew the certificate. Uh, so you could have issues if the certificate expires. Uh, so they sent um, a script that you can deliver to your Windows machines. They gave you a little batch file you can push out, uh, but kind of a different thing than I'm used to getting uh, or used to seeing from Lightspeed with different maintenance things coming out. Uh, so I've been pushing that out and kind of vague. I couldn't tell completely, you know, okay, I got, a, I got these smart agents all over the place. Uh, you know, what's the, what's the cert date on them? I guess it's, you know, of course, best practice to go ahead and get this thing pushed out to try to avoid anything. They said they're going to fix it in a future agent update, of course. Uh, but a script to push out or a batch file to push out to do that in mass. So if you're a light speed content filter person, uh, for one, make sure you're getting those emails, but for two, you might want to apply that. So my question to that is, is that update <clears throat> or is that script signed so that antivirus software won't tag it and try to delete it as a malicious script? Yeah, it's like, and it's pretty piddly uh, of a piddly. thing to push out. Yeah, it's a couple lines. Uh, looks like um, no big deal. I'm using it with, so we use Kaseya, yeah, I'm pushing it out. Uh, with a Kaseya agent procedure uh, and on so far, uh, even on like the computers that we have carbon black that use a carbon black would freak out on something weird like that happening. It hasn't complained, but we'll, hmm. we'll see. Do you guys still, see I'm, I'm doing a sl slow rollout because though I hate poking the bear of stuff like this. Yeah. Did you guys see that VLC? It, it was reported on bleepingcomputer.com that VLC has a pretty significant vulnerability that allows um, malicious code to be executed. It, it, the way the article is written, it makes it sound like um, it's a non-official VLC installer that's being downloaded from a, from a non-official VLC source. Um, so, I mean, when you do that, when you download something from a non-official source, you're asking for problems. Um, but... It's it's worth reading. Bleepingcomputer.com had the article about it. I got you. I'm reading it. Hmm. 
So it's not a vulnerability with VLC. It's somebody posing mm. as it's, a VLC downloader. Yeah, it's worth reading the article and and uh, surmising your own opinion about that. But yeah, did you read this while you were on your way? No, this, I read agents? that before. So anything the hour or two before my great PSA incident, I I am not uh, completely cogent on. Um, I get it. So. How, and this is probably a longer discussion. Are you guys? <clears throat> I expect. I think I know what Mark's answer is going to be on this. Um, are you guys into student data privacy agreements, or have you started to dip your toes into the water of student data privacy agreements? Yeah, I'm pretty into it. Yeah, I know that's a lie. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, we are. Um, I, I actually give credit to there's a neighboring school district, uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, yeah. where the CIO is uh, a strong leader in the field. And he's really spearheaded that that effort within our state and uh, uh, did a really great job of saying, you know, Massachusetts is primarily very, very small districts. You know, they don't have this necessarily legal infrastructure to to manage data privacy. And so he got together everybody and said, hey, listen, we're all trying to reinvent the wheel. We're all trying to build different agreements. Let's come together with with one agreement, and we'll get the the vendors to agree to one terms of service, and then that just kind of is a checkbox. and And he's been very successful. And I know that there he's working a lot with uh, A for A organization in in spreading this uh, across the country. So yeah, yeah, we are, and it's been it's been great. It, it's really it took a little while for us to get it off the ground, really, and operationalize it. But once we did. It's been great to be able to send to a vendor and say, this is our agreement. Oh, great. You've already signed off with a bunch of other districts on this agreement. Let's just move forward. So it's been. Yeah. So I, I, this week really started digging into this, um, a little, well, more than a little bit. I actually sent out about six contracts to or agreements today. Um, so in Missouri, Mornet, the consortium for schools in Missouri, uh, has joined the A4A thing or uh, the National Data National Student Data Privacy Alliance. Um, so you can any school district that has established a data privacy agreement with a vendor, as long as the Schedule E is included or agreed to, any other school in Missouri can hop on that agreement and accept the Schedule e or the Exhibit E document. Um, so one of the tools that I've been demoing with filters, uh, it sits active on a Chromebook and reports and aggregates data of most common used apps. So I'm using that to now gauge what the data privacy settings or rules are. And then I'm reaching out to those vendors of those top applications that collect data and starting to send them privacy agreements. So we'll see how well this is received from vendors. There's a couple like of players in that market. Learn platform, catch on. Uh, are you using any one of those or, or a different one like that? Uh, I am using one of those, but we are in uh, negotiations now. So I'm not going okay. to say which one. Oh, uh, um, shoot. Hey, Josh, I have to ask you are you near wind chimes? Yeah, can you hear them? Yeah, I heard the wind chimes too. Yeah, it's like really very windy. magical. I well, felt I'm like getting... I was floating. Yeah. Your yeah. voice so had extra oomph to it. We're getting uh, new windows, so hopefully when those windows come in, you won't hear the wind chimes anymore. Like your house is without windows right now? No, we've got windows. Well, they might as well not have windows, but yes. Um, that's how you heard the, <laughs> the snowplow a couple weeks ago. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, 
the those tools like that mark are really cool um and the one we are demoing has a really nice <coughs> really nice return on investment feature too that you can yeah. plug in your the costs of applications and it'll tell you you know are you getting your money's worth more or less out of these applications but right. the part that i really like is is the data privacy part so they they'll tell you if they're willing to more or less willing to sign these data privacy agreements or if they've signed them with other facilities or other schools and then they will also tell you if that vendor is IMS global certified which is a student data privacy i guess scoring type agency so mm. um all of that is wrapped into one it's it's pretty nifty so i'm starting to go through our top we had over 7 days we had 558 i think applications observed um wow. from our students and and applications are i that's used synonymously with websites yeah um and i i don't know if that's a high number or not I and mean, we've got 3200 kids and they're all using chromebooks all day long so i i don't know what's a, what a high number is but i'm telling you the data that this stuff gives you is amazing mm. so yeah i've i've sent out um i think six or eight privacy agreements that so i only sent them if those vendors had, did not have data data privacy agreements established with other missouri schools so that doesn't include the ones that i was able to accept the exhibit e and just say yes we want to piggyback off this other school's agreement um so, so being, if go ahead if you see an application being used heavily in your school district and and, and you could say you know lightly you're by a lot of kids or by a few kids very heavily and they they refuse to sign the data privacy agreement what are the next steps so to me because i am a rule follower um to me that discussion is i can or the the steps would be drilling down in the report figuring out what class that is what teacher that is probably start with the principal and say hey look this website, this application's in use in your building by teacher so-and-so. They've refused to sign a data privacy agreement. We need to cut this out. And then let the principal broach that conversation with the teacher. But my end, my end step, either way, no matter how that conversation goes, I'll, I'll probably block that application somehow, either with the firewall rule or filter rule or whatever. But if, if, if if there if there is a vendor, <clears throat> and apparently I have found one because some of the national entries on one I'm not going to say who, um, some of the notes said vendor refuses to sign data privacy <laughs> agreement. So I went ahead and sent it anyway just to see what happens. Um, but if if there's a vendor out there collecting data on students that looks like it's geared towards an educational setting and they're not willing to sign a data privacy agreement, that's like major red flag wouldn't you agree i've i've thought that you know that 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 would be the procedure or whatever um and i've also really thought is this the beginning i mean student data privacy is getting more traction today this year than in the past because in the past you know kids getting access and kids getting connectivity like that was that was the new thing well now that it's established and okay now we need to like chill out and start looking at what we're letting kids get to and let teachers explore in the whole bit. But I almost feel like, I mean, some of the trajectory is that we're going to end up doing a whole lot of blocking of 
you know, I block apps. <coughs> I, you know, I, I limit kids to what they can get to. And my philosophy for the most part has been, I want teachers to be able to try new things and explore new things. You know, I want them to learn about something new and get to mess with it. But really this is starting to look like the beginning of, there's going to be more intervention on if you should even mess with that to begin with, or even play with it to begin with. And we're going to be blocking potentially great educational websites just because companies don't get in line with data privacy. Right. Yeah. I thought you said earlier that you don't block apps for students right now. So I block Josh, before we uh, started the episode, we were bantering about Google stuff. I am uh, conservative in personal life, but liberal with a lot of tech policies. I feel like a lot of the time, Uh, but our, so, but, Kindergarten through eighth grade uh, with Chromebooks, we have a set list of apps. Uh, that's all that they can use. But our high school, we're still pretty open jungle. Uh, I have the philosophy, whether it's right or wrong, and this stuff coming is going to change it for sure and, and, and dictate some of the things. But I want a teacher. I've always thought I don't want the tech department to be like the the red tape and the junk that gets in the way where a teacher finds some excellent resource She wants to try it out. She wants to see if it'll work, but she has to do a work order ticket and wait for days for me to read all these policy agreements or me to figure out all the tech stuff, if it's going to work or not. I just want the teacher to be able to try it out, try it out with the kids and see if it works. If it's great, if it's wonderful, if it's going to impact education forever, sweet, do it. Uh, But a lot of this is going to start changing that. Well, and, and then with high school, I talked about, I mean, I think this summer or before that, we're going to, my high school, I've allowed to be, pretty free spirited still all these years and it's starting to get where I can't, I can't let that happen. Anymore. And, and, and to be, to be clear, you're not talking, you don't have a filter, like you're COPA compliant. You have a filter. Yes. You're, I'm you're, talking about like apps in the app store. I've tried to be, yeah. be, yes, apps extensions. I've tried to be loose. I've had more of a deny list, but if a teacher wants to say whatever, like when, when like Grammarly was new. Yeah. Like or whatever, and an uh, equivalency, whatever cool educational tool. When it comes out, I've never wanted to be like, no, you can't use that yet. Let's give it some time and let's figure it out and see if it's going to work or not. I've never wanted to be that tech guy. I've wanted to, be, and and I don't know, even like the data privacy stuff. What sucks for it, I think, is it really hurts a startup or like like. Because uh, privacy stuff, some of that, you have to have a little bit of money and they really get going. So you have some kick-butt ideas, some kick-butt website. And now we're like, no, you have to have all ducks in a row before we're going to allow it here. But which all, that's what we should do. We're going to protect kids. But Right. All, all that data privacy agreement really says, though, is it requires the vendor to document what data they're collecting from, from the user of the application. And more or less agree to that they're not going to resell that data that's all it requires it's it's not i I don't know i don't i don't know if i buy that's that's a barrier to a startup um all it really is is it's the vendor has to be willing to say they're not going to use the data they're collecting or seeing as a advertising tool or as a revenue stream that's all it really says um do you think a lot of startups get their startup money and become successful because of what they've done with that data? In the uh, past? I think unscrupulous ones, yes. 
Um, you know, if, what's if that I, one, not, not, not to name it by name, but that one that, that, that you say is not compliant, like what kind of tool is it? Uh, if I said that it would give it away a hundred percent. Um, it is a very gamified tool that, uh, teaches a skill that is taught in a computer class. Uh, it's oh, not, I know what he's talking. it's not code.org. It's, I already know what he's talking about. Yeah. So, idea. um, let's do rhymes with. <laughs> uh, yeah so i i'm i mean it, and again on the other hand if you have a vendor like that that comes out and says no we're, we're not agreeing to this what are yeah what what are you supposed to do i mean as the tech director who is probably the security information officer in in our schools chris we're small enough mark i don't that'd be an interesting discussion with you too i I can't say yes. I'm going to allow those kids to use that. I no, because I'm not going to be in the. Paper. You can't anymore, right? No, you can't. Well, yeah. yeah. In Missouri, we don't technically have a law that binds us to the Student Data Privacy Organization. And uh, there's 36 states, 30, 31 states that do have some sort of law in the books for data privacy agreements that the schools must maintain data privacy agreements. From what I understand, it's coming everywhere. So if you're not at least looking into something like A4A or uh, the National Student Data Privacy Alliance, um, <clears throat> it would be worth, uh, I think, at least looking at it and kind of wrapping your head around it. I do I too. I easily think like it's just adding to my plate. Like yeah, no. I'm going to have to look at every website and every app. Yes, I, I, I take the approach of uh, I, I'm going to uh, we're going to allow a teacher to 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 make the right decisions for their classroom. Right. So they're they're going to find something at nighttime and want to try it out in their classroom the next day. I I need to be realistic that I don't have the resources to 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 be like like you said, Chris, I can't review every single terms of service on the at the speed that the teachers need. But I will, you know, if, a, if an application starts to grow and the vendor says, hey, we want to come and we want to go into all of your schools and all of your classrooms, that's where I want to draw the line and say, that's great. You want to expand. Here are the standards that you have to meet for interoperability, for data privacy, scalability, those kinds of things, right? I'm not going to have, we've got 5,000 teachers. If one teacher wants to roster their own application and write in, you know, manually enter their names and accounts and manage passwords, you know, I, I, I'm not going to get involved in, in in one teacher's classroom, but if that application wants to grow to all classrooms and all teachers, and not all teachers want to do that, and and not all teachers are going to follow safe protocols, then we're going to have these processes in place. We're going to have these procedures. You're going to sign a data sharing agreement. And so we've been honest with a couple of vendors that they want to move in and, and they say, oh, well, we're not willing to sign the state of privacy agreement. And I say, well, then you're not going to grow. So. For me, it's more around how often is this application used? What is it used for is probably a more important question too, right? If these are just kind of like some uh, enrichment activities or is this like part of your core curriculum? Um, and, and how often is this being used? That's when we're really gonna ramp up our, our expectations for the company. Yeah, and I think that's what's kind of brought it to a head for me. I mean, data privacy has always been on my radar and. I've known for several years because we have a rock star over on the western side of the state that is like hardcore data privacy and is just freaking amazing. And, and you know, I look at I look at her and I'm like, man, I I really should be doing better with this. So 
<clears throat> demoing these tools that we're that we've been demoing recently and now being able to say I can now look at a dashboard and say Edge Elastic has been used by 700 kids 4,000 times right. in the last week. Okay, I need to take a deep look at Edge Elastic's privacy agreement because we do have a third of our population or more using that service. Okay, we need to establish some sort of data privacy agreement, definitely with because they're they're a big player for us. Now these ones that have onesie twosie hits, I, that's. It's it's an effort for me to go through this process, so I, I can't say that I would do that for a you know a site that or a service that had ten hits that's collecting a name you know. But if it's you know several thousand kids or several thousand interactions a week, yeah, we we need to establish that relationship and at least let them know that we know there are standards that they should be up meeting anyway. So, I guess all that's to say, if you're not looking at it you might want to because the likelihood of your succumbing the likelihood of your state enacting something um yeah we were living in the wild wild west the one-to-one and all that and well and you look at the pandemic i I mean how many apps got turned on spun up when the pandemic hit and everybody went home for for three months you know or how many vendors made their apps for free like made them at no cost as soon as COVID hit it's like oh you can use our service for free and right the number just exploded. Right. Yeah. Uh, Screencastify. Um, Holla. <laughs> yeah, we use it too still for some reason. Um, Do they follow that? I don't know. Chris, do you want to talk about ClassLink real quick? Yeah, we can talk about ClassLink. So ClassLink has been a sponsor of the podcast before, and they are back. Uh, and we are completely excited that they're going to hang out with us again. Uh, ClassLink. Uh, is known for solving the problem of too many passwords, too many files scattered about. Uh, they have this one-click single sign-on solution, uh, gives students access to everything that they need. Uh, you can go to classlink.com to check out uh, all that they offer. I know they have a section that talks about ESSER funds. Uh, Classlink uh, meets all the requirements to address learning loss and, and, and all that stuff. So you can use ESSER funds to get ClassLink. And then if you want to learn more for sure, check out their case studies, uh, a long list of schools and great case studies to check out uh, with ClassLink. So we're going to learn more about ClassLink over the next few episodes uh, and share some different information about them. So check out ClassLink at ClassLink.com. And an interesting tidbit about ClassLink, I, I looked them up in the uh, A4L Student Data Privacy Database for Missouri, and they actually haven't executed a uh, data privacy agreement for the state of Missouri with a ske- an Exhibit E available. So you, if you're in the state of Missouri and you sign in to uh, the MO STD, SDPC, you can uh, accept the Exhibit E and be covered with the student data privacy agreement with ClassLink. So hats off to ClassLink for doing that. Maybe maybe we should do that for our sponsors now. If they collect student data, maybe we should, uh, before they can be a sponsor, they have to prove that they're willing to sign a uh, data privacy agreement. Oh, yeah, like pass our muster? Yeah. We could, we could be the, we could be trailblazers making... Hey, 
they are also an IMS Global uh, certified organization. Are they? So you're, yeah. So you're, you're, you're passing data across an interoperable standard as well through one nice. roster. So it's, uh, it's good on both fronts on privacy and interoperability. There you go. Two straws in their hat. Hello. Um, yeah. Nice. So real quick, um, we've been on a little bit already. Uh, let's talk Chromebook collection. Chris, how do you collect uh, your Chromebooks for the summer? Or do you? I collect with anger. With anger? <laughs> and spite. Makes you mad no, for a couple was, days because they're damaged. Yeah. We um, we get with the principals um, prior to um, collection, and we try to schedule the best date dates possible. Uh, of course, we have teachers that say they use their Chromebooks for educational purposes until the very last second of the last day. Uh, so there's usually some banter about opportunities there because we do have to collect the, we, the, I mean, that's our approach. We do collect them. Uh, so at the high school and middle school, uh, that runs through our libraries. Uh, I've mentioned this before. We have student uh, technicians, we call them TSI, tech support interns uh, at the middle school and high school level. So they work with us on those collection days. Uh, basically, alphabetical order by grade level, we start calling kids down. Uh, they kind of go through a line. Their Chromebook gets inspected, make sure there's no cracked screen, missing keys, all that kind of stuff that the charger's there. Uh, goes through that. If we need to assess any kind of damage or whatever, it goes to another spot. Uh, we see if they have Chromebook insurance or not. We won't unpack insurance much today. Uh, and then it gets collected, it gets put up into a cabinet so that it can be cleaned over summer. Uh, at our elementaries, uh, one elementary we have has like a tech center. So we collect through that. Uh, but then at, at our lowest elementary, uh, we have carts and, and we have one-to-one -one assignment to classrooms, but we actually go around class to class uh, and collect uh, with the elementary kids. We don't make them go through a line and all that kind of thing. So we try to do it as quick as possible, but we spread it over the course of several days. And we kind of stagger it between the buildings. What about you guys? So our high school is down to a science and they collect all of their devices like within 45 minutes. It's amazing. What we do is we go out and we buy a bunch of Rubbermaid totes um, and our students at the high school level keep the same advisor through their high school career. So they're assigned an advisor freshman year and they keep them to, to senior year. That advisor acts as the distribution and collection point for our Chromebooks at the high school level. So the first day of school or during open house, the totes are given to the advisor in the classroom. The advisor then hands them out. They're labeled with the kids' names. And then on the last day of school after finals, during that advisory hour, typically the last 90 minutes of the last day of school, that advisory teacher has a list with a checklist of they turned in a device, yes, no, it was damaged, yes, no, what was damaged, and they turned in a charger. And I and when I say within a span of 45 minutes, every device is collected, I legitimately mean every device is collected in about 45 minutes for about a thousand kids. It works flawlessly. Mark? I'm I'm in awe. Yeah. Our our high school librarian, man, she she is a rock star with this. Uh, so it's, I feel like we could do an entire episode on summer collection 
in distributions. So, and it's been a it's been a hot issue for us and for a lot of the districts over the last year, especially. So last year was the first year that we were really a one to one district with students taking them home, primarily coming out of COVID. You know, and so that last year was the first year we, as a district, had this conversation about what are we doing about take home and and collection over the summertime. And so we met with all of our schools and said, you know, you can either collect them and here are the protocols, or you can allow the students to keep them. But here are the protocols, right? If the student is moving out of the city, they still need to turn it in. Um, this year, we had some challenges with that. And and I will say one of the major challenges is that summer school is a very big deal for our district. Mm-hmm. A lot of students go to summer school and summer school has a lot of flavors. Some of it is the district run programs in our schools. A lot of students are attending city programs like sailing or an enrichment activity. And Whoa, wait, wait, wait. Back up one second. Summer school class of sailing. Well, sorry. So summer, there's summer school and there's summer programs, right? So kids will take sometimes a sports program. These are run by nonprofits in the city. Like so a sailboat? Yeah. That yeah. is the most East Coast thing I have ever heard. What'd you do for summer school? I learned how to sail on a sailboat. I, I, I Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> do you so, sail, Mark? Do they get deck shoes? Not only do I sail, I I ran one of the summer the sailing summer sailing Are programs you for summer. Me? No, no, that's why I picked on that one. But but anyways, so my How point is, how big is your sailboat? We're just gonna <laughs> skip Chromebooks here. Um, how big is your sailboat? <laughs> I mean, we, I have I have a boat. My boat's twenty five foot. How big is your boat? No, no, these are like a sailing program where they have a fleet of boats. You like, have a you know, fleet of boats? I, I don't personally have a fleet of boats. <laughs> I heard him <laughs> say he had a fleet of boats. Pro- are these, do you make these out of paper? Oh my God. Okay. Or are these so, actual real boats? There are real boats. They go on real water and kids learn how to, so that's how I'm many, sorry, I, how many sailboats, Mark? This was, I meant it as an example. How many sailboats? Of, I don't know, like 40 or so. I don't, wow. I don't, it's a big program. So <laughs> that's have, awesome. I would love to do that. That's awesome. I know what yeah, we're doing. Do they call you Captain Mark? <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of your sailboat? I don't have a sailboat. This is oh, a I summer. thought you said you had a sailboat. No, 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 no. Okay. So anyways, my point was students attend very different various different programs some of them being official schools academic focused programs sure. run in our school buildings and others attend programs and we partner with a lot of nonprofits so what we found last year was having a variety of students some of them kept their chromebooks some of them they they turned them into their school we get hit with all these summer programs like wait a minute our program depends on the kids yep. having a device hate this and hate this and it was a it was a problem. And and a lot of times, you know, they like, well, this kid came to our program and didn't have a Chromebook. I'm like, well, he he took one home for the summer. So <laughs> that's between you and the student. And then the the repercussions of that is in the fall when kids come back without their Chromebooks. Yeah. So this year we, you know, we still had some schools that strongly needed to send their devices home for various reasons. We strongly advised collecting and put together some protocols for schools to use. We still have a lot of time before the end of the year. Um, and, but, you know, having the devices brought back in and left in the school helps us to know all the devices are in the school building. So when we have a summer program run in a school building, the devices are there for them to use. 
and the school knows what to expect when they come back after the summertime. So, you know, does that mean that a student attending a nonprofit summer program is going to have a device? We know that's going to be a challenge. We're going to have to do some distributions over the summer for that. But, you know, it is it is a challenge. We have a very, very large district and we have a lot of schools. So the variability and the and the dozens and dozens of summer programs and opportunities that our kids go to makes it very hard for us to have a, a, a consistent model that hits everybody's needs. I think we could yeah, do I, an entire episode on sailing. Su- well, that too, but yeah, summer Chromebook talk. use, that, that is such, we could We could dig into that. Uh, such a frustration right now for, for me and has been for about three years. Yeah. Um, what would you say if I said um, Starboard? Starboard goofball. <laughs> that's what the, is that? What's that's the, the starboard? Right, right side of the boat. Starboard. Yeah. Starboard. 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 Right side. The right side. Mm. You guys are landlocked, so this is just weird. Where? But we have the of... we have a very large man-made lake in Missouri, Lake of the Ozarks, where Midwest Tech Talk is held. It has more coastline than the state of California. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So watch yourself, Taylor. (laughs) That's sorry. Starboard. (laughs) That's where my boat is kept. Yeah. Jib. 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 It's a front sail. I I think Mark. Yeah. I'm mind blown right now. I am too. I wish I had a sailboat. Sailing is a. I wish I had one and Mark has 40. I know. No, I don't have forty. One, There's one a... for almost from one more than one for every day. Of the yeah, month. you're like one to one with sailboats. <laughs> Do you collect the sailboats <laughs> at the end of the year? <laughs> or the kids trying to, to take them? Home? I'm trying to get my kids devices, and you're passing out sailboats. Are they big enough I... to live on? Like, no. how big are we talking? Okay, so there there are <laughs> going off the rails already. There are, uh, this is going to blow your mind. There are multiple sailing clubs in the Boston area. Um, th- there's there's one uh, sailing club that has, you know, three different um, places where you can go to sail. And at, at each one, they might have different types of boats. So their main dock has, you know, this one design of a boat. They're like 18, 19 foot boats. And you put three or four kids on it. And the kids learn how to sail and they come off with you know a, a huge amount of stem knowledge sure learning how sailboats work how uh, the weather works that's how awesome. lever, levers and pulleys work it's a very very <clears throat> academic sport it's a it's a really really fun sport so yeah sailing and you get to yell things like jibe ho you do yeah windward uh i was gonna say <laughs> something about a sailboat so sailing clubs explain sailing clubs to me is that like a golf club or a country club you get to- uh yeah yeah so there are there are sailing clubs where you you know you you can be a member of the club you put your boat there or sometimes you use club boats uh and then some of these clubs will have a youth program and those those are the, the ones that will you know help our students out and teach them how to hmm. sail so so everybody sits around and says man you you sailed really well today that's right yeah yeah huh. so all right <clears throat> any um final thoughts for the for the week it's been a on sailing or on technology well i don't i you're just the like an onion mark there's so many layers to you 
we we peeled back a layer tonight the this sailboat layer you guys got any closing thoughts chris what is he doing for listening to this week's episode of the K-12 Tech Talk. You have a great week. <laughs>